It's June 17th, 2021. This is Rook. Her tale is a remarkable one of defying cultural and gender barriers to follow her dream. Afsun Roshan Zamir Johnston is a champion athlete and a pioneer in women's wrestling. She came to the United States as an Iranian kid who could not speak English and did not fit in, but by her late teens she was competing for Team USA and would win the first world medal handed out in women's wrestling. She went on to win more championships and medals and coached Team USA to Olympic wrestling gold in 2016. Now she's the subject of a new biography, and Afsun Johnston joins us for a feature interview. This is Conversations From, To, and About the Iranian Diaspora. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. there welcome to episode 119 of rook hope you're keeping well wherever you are tuning in from around the world salam dustana aziz omidvar hastam ke khub va mizun bashin afsun roshan zamir johnson captain reza yes afsun roshan zamir johnson i'm very happy to have her on the program uh joining us from san diego in a few minutes now here's the thing we bring people on this program. Sometimes they are big names right. in the global Iranian community and beyond, right? Yes. So you've got your uh, Farmaz Aslani, Max Amini, right? And then the, there's people that some Iranians know, but that we hope will reach a, a larger audience in English. Mm-hmm. And then there's someone that I'm pretty sure most of our audience, our Iranian audience, does not know or does not know is Iranian. Yeah. Uh, and is actually one of our greatest athletes, yeah. I think, who needs to be celebrated. She, I mean, she is amazing, yeah. and her story is a riveting one. That's right. That's right. And I wonder if she was a man, if if Iranian would have known her, if if she wasn't a woman. I think, especially in the in Koshti and exactly, wrestling, a hundred percent that would be true. Right? Yeah. And I also think, I mean, there's the dual mm-hmm. factor that wrestling. Uh, as a sport has grown in the last 30 years, you know, in her glory days, her her prime was to be a pioneer in the beginning of those 30 years, you know, in the 80s and 90s. Uh, So there's that. Even in the U.S., it's now the fastest growing sport uh, for women. Um, But she was winning medals 20 years ago, 30 years ago. She's now coaching the gold medal team in the USA. But the other thing is being a woman in wrestling. I mean, I guess wrestlers are, are, are superstars in Iran, oh, right? Oh, big time. Male big time. wrestlers. Yeah. Male wrestlers are big time. They're as big as soccer players, aren't they? Definitely, Ashaya? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, they're huge. I mean, and she is, she's so amazing at this sport. Uh, and she's this fabulous person. I'm very much looking forward to this. Afsun Johnston coming up in just a few moments. We are on an ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity coming to you on rookmedia.com. Rookmedia.com. Uh, you can go to our website.
website where you can link to everything there, or you can head straight to one of our platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or CastBox. And if you like to see some visuals with Rook, switch over to Instagram or YouTube right now. And if you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in English and Farsi, check us out on Telegram. All of those at Rook Media. Uh, hello to you officially, Captain Reza. Hello, sir. Hello, the fabulous Keon. Hi, Jean. And uh, how are you, Groovy Shia? I am good. How are you? I'm well. You are you are looking and feeling more like Moses all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ten comments. I have. That's <laughs> right. Well, we know you had the stick. Now I, th- I've got to talk to Keon for a second because I know okay. now something. I had a Mahmouni on the weekend. Yeah. And you know, there's we we like to think we speak Farsi. You and I, right? We try. It's, yeah. I don't think it's Farsi, but, but then, yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, Exhibit A. <laughs> yes. Okay, so here, wait, 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 here's the thing. So I just mentioned, so at this Mamouni, I realized that I've never known the words for Jesus and Moses Oh. By the way, what I'm about to say, all I all due respect to Jesus and Moses. I don't want to uh, create any issues yep. here, and and Pekambar and yeah. all of them. Let's yeah. uh, we love them all, but uh, but I never knew how to say. Come on, Jesus. And do you know how to say Jesus yeah. and Moses? Please. Do you want me to say it? Yeah, Masih va Musa. No, no. Well, no. Masif. It's Isa. Isa oh, and yeah. Moses is Musa. Musa. <laughs> now I heard this Isa and Musa. <laughs> I, I couldn't stop all night. I mean, seriously, Isa and Musa? Like it's like a buddy comedy, right? It's like the start to a joke. Isa and Musa walk into a bar. I mean, I just I, I first I like really like are you guys making your you know? And they're like, no, it's Isa and Musa. <laughs> because they were saying, "Baby, Isa after Bud Musa." Like there was a, yeah. you know, one of my friends was talking about it. And yeah. I was like, "Are we talking? Who are we talking about?" <laughs> and they were Isa? like, "Jesus and Moses." And I'm like, "Isa and Musa." Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I know for you guys, like who grew up in Iran, this isn't. Not only is it not weird, you don't even know why we're laughing, but there's something about saying those in English. Like thinking of like Jesus and Moses as Isa and Musa. <laughs> it sounds like an SNL skit. Like it's like. <laughs> totally. Especially because there's a lot of buddy comedy films like Cheech and Chong. <laughs> right, like, right, know, right, right. Like, yeah, like yeah exactly. Kumar. It's like a couple of stoners. <laughs> yeah. Isa and Musa. You know. Exactly. They're, 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 they're like the two last friends that you call to come. Oh, like there's, It's like, uh, who's coming? Um, well, Farhad and, and Rez will be there. And, uh, and also there. Isa and Musa are coming as well. <laughs> yeah. so Isa good. and Musa, I never knew. Did you really? know you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I, well, it's like with every other name. There's the Persian version, and then there's uh, the Western. version. Well, first version of all, of let's it. just start with Musa. First yeah. of all, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how do you go from Moses to Musa? I mean, I know. In fact, I have a friend named Musa. Like, I know that's Musa. a name, but it it doesn't translate in a great way. To like, <laughs> no one is named. 
named Musa. Isa <laughs> 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 Musa. I just I love it so much. But I think it actually sounds funny to us as well because we never hear it in the same context. You always like hear because they're, they're from two very different like centuries, yeah. like decades, like right. Apart. Well, I was saying to Shia because I was because I was telling him about this a couple of days ago. I was laughing about it, and I was saying for some reason in English because now that I think about it, mm-hmm. Jesus and Moses again, all all <laughs> due respect, we are not making fun. I'm, it's the the translation of the names, right? Yeah. Jesus and Moses. Actually, those two words do sound similar, but I've never thought of that. You don't think of that mm-hmm. in English, right? Sure. You don't think Jesus and Moses yeah. sound similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though they both have is then the, you know, but um, but Isa and Musa, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's I, there's a couple of cartoon characters. I mean, it's crazy. How do they even come up with that? Like, how do they like you it's know Arabize? Gotta, it's got to be a joke. Somebody like it. They got. They must have known that they're like yeah, uh, pishinohati <laughs> <laughs> but you know they didn't do that. <laughs> Big even they were like, "Oh, what should we call them?" You know, like uh, uh, <laughs> Jesus John or you know uh, uh, Moses Khan or nah, yeah, Isa Musa. But they didn't do that with Muhammad. Muhammad is just Muhammad. What is Muhammad? It's just Muhammad. But he's but you don't even say Muhammad. You say Peygamber, right? The Prophet. Muhammad. 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 I think that's why I didn't know them, though, because I think I thought in Farsi it was just Jesus, and Jesus. I, I don't think I, we never talk about Moses, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the Arabic translation of the name Isa and Musa, and then you know the yes, Persians and maybe adopted. Moses and Jesus is a Latin translation of that Arabic word. That's true. Maybe it's the other oh, way around. Oh, maybe it's originally Isa and Musa. Yes. Musa. Oh, sh- yes. this is like Inception. I was like, maybe, just well, maybe. It is originally Isa and Musa because yeah. they're they were Arabs. They're but are, from. They're, I mean, I don't know. Are they, we sure about this? No, no, yeah, they, weren't Ar- they weren't. Well, Arabs. They were. They were. They were Jewish. Right. Uh, they're right. from. Uh, and back then they spoke Haramaic. Yeah. yeah and so, so what is their real the name? Let's, thing let's to get to the bottom. This is that we're heading into the territory now where every the people listening are like these these four know zero. <laughs> Let's just stop at it's funny <laughs> in English for somebody who has grown up Iranian and who uh, thinks I, I know how to speak Farsi that that I don't I've never heard Isa and Musa and I mean honestly the whole man I was just I was <laughs> keeling over in laughter and they couldn't understand why it was so funny to me I was like you gotta be kidding Isa and Musa like <laughs> it's like a prime time NBC comedy right like were you the only the, one laughing Katie and Ali or whatever that show yeah, was yeah. you know Isa and Musa no they were laughing after a while because they realized how it did sound kind of funny. Uh, speaking of dynamic duos, a shout out to Arash and Anita Fazalipur. They're life partners and business partners. They're the founders of MyTerms.ca. MyTerms.ca. This is a mortgage company in uh, Ontario, Canada. Um, so both Arash and Anita were born in Iran, but grew up in Canada and the States. They decided to go into business and life together almost 20 years ago. And they have a really good record with MyTerms.ca, focusing on the service aspect of the mortgage business. 
If you're looking for, if you're anywhere in Canada, in Ontario, uh, you're listening to this and you're looking for a mortgage company, these guys are amongst the best. They are very well reviewed online and they make it a big priority to give back to the Persian community as well. Uh, so we love them for it. Arash and Anita Fazelipur, my terms, one word, my terms. Uh, in the coming days on Rook, Azadeh uh, Shams is coming on, Keon. She is an Italian-Iranian. She lives in, I think, in Milan. We're going to speak to her from Milan, who has created these toys. They're called AZ toys or Aussie toys that help kids learn the Persian alphabet. Oh, so they're like block. You know how we have A B C D, you yeah. know, with with uh, the English alphabet. Right. The, this is the Persian uh, Aww, alphabet, and uh, in and amongst other things that she's developed, she's got this successful toy company. All, all of a sudden, yeah. also this Shams, uh, a gentleman named Farhad Kashani. Uh, Shia, I know you know of this man. Yes. He he's a wor- he's a former CEO. Uh, he's really into uh, aircraft and and cars. He was the first writer about cars in Iran. He was a, a critic, I guess, an automobile writer, and he was telling you which cars to buy and not to get. And also with uh, with planes, he's also a, a pilot himself. But his distinction at this point is, is he's part of the Century Travel Club. Or the Travel Century Club, something like that. Mm. These are people who've gone to 100 countries or more, mm. and he's gone to every country that uh, the United Nations recognizes in the world, except for like two or three. So it was like 200 countries, wow. and so he, he's a traveler. Yeah. He's just a, a world traveler. Yeah. Isn't that something you'd love to do? That's my dream. Right. Yeah. Funny story. I met his daughter in Greece. Actually. Oh, you, that's yeah. right. Farhad Kashani. Yeah, you know this guy. Very randomly. Yeah. yeah. I I was I happened to be in Mykonos and I was funny enough I was having a bad day in Mykonos if that's even possible, and I heard these group of girls talking Persian and I turned around I was like oh my god you guys are Persian and one of them was uh, Farhad's daughter Ariana. And I think his daughters are taking up this thing of wanting yeah, to travel. Yeah, traveling as well. around. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's up to fifty maybe something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's. He, I mean, he's, he wrote a book called uh, "The Sixty-Year-Old Kid" or something like that. Like he's, I think he's in his late sixties now. Yeah. But um, he believes in following your passion, and his yeah. passion is traveling. And so he just, you know, picks up and right. goes wherever he can all the time. Isn't it such a small world? Like the second I heard my mother tongue, I was just, I was like, oh my god, you guys, are, yeah. what a cool, you know, what a cool thing. Insiders Club, man. Yeah. Tara Tiba. Coming Ooh, on the show in the coming wait. days on uh, Rook, the great uh, Iranian musician who's in Australia yeah. now. And I can't wait to have her on the show as well. And I can announce that Behzad Bulur yes. is coming on our program, the great broadcaster, uh, kind of a genius when it comes to Iranian music, right? Yes. He knows, definitely. I mean, he's interviewed everybody. Yes. Uh, he, for years, he was on the BBC, or he still is, or I, I yes, think. But yes. uh, very much looking forward to talking to him. I've been, uh, I've, I've watched a lot of his stuff as a, as a interviewer and as a personality on on television uh behzad bulur joining us in the coming days on rook how many country have you been Jian? Mm, are we close to 100? century yeah. uh, you know i haven't counted but uh because i was in a touring band uh-huh. you know uh i've probably like i've been to every country in europe and yeah, yeah. Uh, everywhere in the north i don't know i guess yeah. 50 i don't know you do you know 
I would say about it's not a month. It's like twelve or thirteen. Ah, yeah. yeah, it's not that. Much. Yeah, no, I was lucky because I was in a band touring, and and mm. then uh, I've job my job in media has required yeah. me to travel. So I've been to uh, I've been to pretty much every continent and uh, a lot of. But but it's more when you're a touring musician, especially in North America, mm. it's more like I've been to every town. Uh-huh. Every <laughs> single town, like every, every city in North America, every Ooh, state wow. in the United States, every and and some of them many many times. Mm-hmm. Every province in Canada, every state in the United, you know. Uh, now, Captain Reza, how yeah. many countries have you been in jail in? <laughs> <laughs> that uh, I, I know at least two. Or was it? Or, or, uh, yeah. Yes, that is actually precisely <laughs> correct. China and Seychelles. That's but right. you know, it it was very difficult for Iranian to. Become a fa- become a member of that club because of their passport. You know, it's that's passport. right. It's yeah. really that's right. hard. I yeah. guess he's uh, an American passport. Fatar Kashani, hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, the other thing that's interesting about Fatar Kashani, we've got to bring our guest on here, but uh, is that he is in his late sixties, but he's an Instagrammer. Yeah. And he's got like a huge following he on does. Instagram. <laughs> and I don't want to be ageist, you know, because uh, everybody should be on social media yeah. if they want to be, whatever. But I realized, like, I was like, why does this feel different Why that I, that I, on his Instagram channel? And then I realized I'm just not used to seeing somebody who's uh, older, you yeah. know, uh, being a, a popular Instagram personality. Right, like right. he's like an influencer. Right. You know? The funny <laughs> thing is he doesn't even follow his daughter. <laughs> the daughter <laughs> she brings it up often. She's, <laughs> she's like, my dad's cooler uh, than me. <laughs> that's amazing. All right. Let's get to our feature guest. See you guys on the other side. Here we go. My feature guest today is a true pioneer of women's wrestling in the United States and beyond, a former champion who was the first world medalist in women's wrestling back in 1989. Afsun Roshan Zamir Johnston was born in Tehran in the early 70s. Her father was a successful wrestler who taught her the moves at their home while she was growing up in Iran. At the age of 11, in the aftermath of the revolution and amidst the Iran-Iraq war, Afsun and her family moved to Northern California. This is in 1984. Afsun attended Independence High School, a school known for its state championships in wrestling. There, she became the first and only girl wrestler on both her high school and college teams. Afsun made her first USA national team while she was still in high school. And at the 1989 World Championships held in Switzerland, Afsun was the first American woman to win a world medal for the United States in women's freestyle wrestling. She went on to become a multiple national champion and a two-time world medalist while also earning her master's degree in physical therapy. Afsun has, in recent years, coached the U.S. women's team at many world championships and was awarded Coach of the Year by USA Wrestling. She coached Team USA at the 2016 Olympics in Rio, and that team, of course, won the Olympic gold with her at the helm. She has been inducted into the California Wrestling Hall of Fame and received the Lifetime Achievement Award, and she is currently still coaching and resides in San Diego, California, with her husband and three children, and she is the subject of a new biography of her life, written by Craig Sesker, entitled simply Afsoon. But right now, Afsoon Roshan Zamir Johnston joins me from San Diego. Hello. Well, hello, and thank you so very much for having me on your show today. It's a great pleasure to have you on. Congratulations, champ. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, what you have done is 
it's truly remarkable. I, I am in awe of the fortitude it must have taken for a new immigrant girl to go into wrestling and beat the boys in the 1980s. <laughs> and I want to get into your story. But first, you know, you yes. are an American legend of the sport now. You've won Olympic gold with Team USA. But on your Instagram, you're listed as Iranian. Tell me about being bicultural and being claimed by two countries. Yes, absolutely. You know, us Iranians um, are very, very proud of our culture and our heritage. Of course, I'm Iranian. I have Iranian blood running through me. As an Iranian, we went through some hard times and, um, you know, my family had to immigrate into the United States and um, being an immigrant is is tough. And um, as an 11-year-old coming from Iran during that time period, uh, it, it was a challenge. It was it was tough. But for me, uh, I found my voice and I found my identity um, and I found how to belong in this new country and new culture uh, through wrestling. So that was my journey in into really survival and, and assimilating and and becoming an Iranian American and being successful in this new country. But of course, I'm, I'm always be Iranian. You know, um, well, you're also, a, I, I can only imagine, a proud American, and you should be, and, uh, you know, what, what you guys have done in terms of Team USA, et cetera. It seems like a little thing. I don't want to harp on it, but, you know, when one is drawing up their profile on Instagram, it's always one of those, mo- you know, on any social media channel, it's, it's one of those moments where you go, who am I again? What do I, <laughs> what do I present to the world? So it was obviously a conscious decision. Here you are, just a few years removed from winning Olympic gold with Team USA. It must have been a conscious decision to put Iranian there. Tell me about that decision. Yes, actually, very good question and very good um, point. I am Iranian American. I definitely identify with both cultures. Um, you know, my parents are Iranian. I was born in Iran. I, I grew up my first formative years in Iran. You know, then coming to a new country and here in the United States, there were great opportunities given to me. And so I definitely acknowledge that um, United States is the land of opportunity. And um, for me, I was able to take advantage of those opportunities, especially for women that may not have been given to me um, at the time in Iran. But I took advantage of those opportunities. And then, you know, going through high school and college here in the United States and, and my husband's American. My kids are half Iranian, half American. So really, that's where I I definitely do identify with both countries, both cultures. And I do recognize myself as an Iranian American. Uh, You know, something I think is really um, fun is... is, uh, uh, Jaleb <laughs> is <laughs> is that you're just being discovered by Iranians, which must be uh, some source of uh, of entertainment for you, given that you actually grew up in Iran. I mean, you're mostly known as Afsun Johnston, and and I think back to when you won that first world medal in 1989. There was no social media for people to discover your roots at a, at a you know on a, on a keyboard. I mean, I understand it was it was actually when you won this 2016 gold as coach of Team USA that a lot 
lot of Iranians right. came to find out that you're also one of us too. What what is yes. it like to be just getting known <laughs> by your ancestral peeps after all these years? Right, right. No, it's it's really fun and it's really neat. Um, I'll tell you a couple of stories that kind of um, is interesting and to your point where I, I think I'm just now being discovered. But you know, times have also changed. I don't know uh, how I would have been accepted. How much I would have been accepted as an as an Iranian woman wrestling, um, you know, back when I was wrestling in 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 the early eighties, and um, I remember at the first World Championships that I attended, it was in Martinique, Switzerland, and for the first time ever historically, United States was sending a women's uh, wrestling team, and it was the first historic World Championships with that included women for women right. i remember of course you know having to represent united states but being um there as a as an athlete at the world championships with usa um on my singlet on my warm-up and um i noticed that team iran wrestling was there and of course i got so excited and i was you know so proud thinking i'm going to go over and introduce myself and say i'm iranian but i'm 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 a woman but i'm also a wrestler and iranian you know kushti is in our blood and you know thinking that everybody you know would be maybe proud of me for that and so i remember approaching at the time this is 1989 um approaching the men's national um Iranian wrestling coach and saying, hi, my name is Afsun. I'm Iranian. I'm a wrestler. Mm. And um, the coach at the time told me, Khanum, um, I think it's great that you wrestle. Um, but at this time, we, we can't watch you and we can't support you. Wow. And that was really devastating to me at the time thinking, here's an accomplishment that I, I I'm a wrestler and I'm Iranian and I'm a woman and I'm you know a pioneer the first of doing this and I thought it would be something that maybe um, they would be proud of me right, you know the right. Iranian wrestling federation the men's team but the timing just wasn't right and I'll tell you another story so then recently so remember that story right and then just recently, after the 2016 Olympics, now we're going from 1989 to, you know, 2017. <laughs> right. Fast forward uh, 30 Fast years. Fast forward yeah. 30 years, exactly. And this is where, to my point where times have changed. I was at an international wrestling competition. And again, this time now I'm, I'm the U.S. coach, wrestling coach. And... Um, you know, I have my badge around my neck, my credentials, and it says, you know, Afsoon, and it says, you know, Team USA. And and as I'm coaching um, this big international competition, um, the, it's the, the men and the women were wrestling at the same venue, same time, same place. And I see all the Iranian fans in the stands. And somehow word got out that, oh, you see that USA woman's coach? She's actually Iranian. Hmm. And so every time I walked out into the center stage, competition stage, with one of my USA athletes, not only was the USA section cheering, but the whole Iranian section oh, was cheering. Wow. It was so neat. And so it, 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 it's still telling you the story gives me goosebumps, right? And so I remember just going into the stands and taking pictures with the Iranian oh, fans, wow. and they're just welcoming me as 
as one of their own. It didn't matter that I had the USA jacket on. They recognized me as one of their their own, right? And and like I said, even though it was USA competing, women's USA competing, the Iranian fans were still cheering because I, as an Iranian, was their coach. That's beautiful. And it was so neat. So then um, the wait, story wait, gets wait, wait, wait a second. Better. Was was the oh, where, was the American team confused? <laughs> like why why, no, why are was, the Iranian fans cheering for us? Or I guess they know well, at this point your they your background. Know, they yeah. know that I'm Iranian, and they thought it was really really cool. The athletes loved it because not only do they have the American fans cheering for them, but now they have this whole other country Iranian <laughs> That's great. fans cheering That's for great. them. So they loved it. But this is where the story gets even better. Um, so again, we're in the back area, the warm up area, and I'm warming up my team, um, you know, be- before their, their matches. And, um, I look over and there is the Iranian men's national team. Right. And, uh, Rasul different, Fadem, different coach, I assume, at this point. Of course, because this is now 30 years right, later. Right. And, and so, but I remembered my experience of what had happened 30 years prior. And so I was gun shy. I didn't want to go over and introduce myself because I remember what had ha- happened 30 years prior. And so I, you know, from the corner of my eye, kind of kept an eye on the Iranian team. And again, being so proud that I am Iranian and that is my national team. And, and I wish that there was a woman's Iranian national team competing there, but it was the men's, you know, national wrestling team competing and um so i went and and by the way just to set just to set this up for any non-iranians who might be listening uh koshti like wrestling is i I guess i mean other than maybe football other than soccer is is pretty much the biggest sport in iran right i mean it's a very prominent sport yeah Yes, it's Kushti is, you know, our national sport, Kushti and football, wrestling and soccer are definitely given a lot of um, just, you know, whereas here in the United States, you may know some of your soccer players, maybe not, you may know some of your wrestlers, probably not. You definitely know your baseball players or your basketball, yeah, exactly. But in Iran, your wrestlers are your national heroes. So here we are in the backstage. I'm warming up Team USA Women's Wrestling, and the Iranian men's national wrestling team is there. And um, lo and behold, the Iranian coach, Mr. Rasul Khadam, comes over and says, um, Hanum, um, lady, are, are you, you're, you're Afsun, right? And right there, I was like, wow, he knows my name. He knows who I am. You know, I'm just like, you know, impressed by even that. And he said, um, can you come over with me for one moment, please? Um, and I and I thought, okay, sure, yes. Of Here course, this is Russell Padem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, of course I'm going to say yes, but I have no idea what he's he's going to do or uh-huh. say to me. And so he takes me over to his team, the, the Iranian men's national wrestling team. And he said, Bachaha, my team, look at this lady. Look at this woman. Her name is Afsun. She is Iranian. She is the first world medalist in women's wrestling. It, even though it's for United States, it was for United States, she is Iranian. And I want you to look at her, and I want you to remember her, and I want you to give her medal, her world medal, and her, uh, Afsun, the same respect 
that you would give to any male wrestler in our country, such as Tahti, such as any of our great male wrestlers that have medaled at the Olympics and World Championships? This woman is pride of our country, and you need to give her recognition and the same respect as you would any male wrestler from our country. And that just blew me away. The fact that the Iranian men's national coach would say that and give me that respect and introduce me as such to his national team 30 years later. So, yes, it's great to have Iranian fans. I mean, that is a the way you set that up, is especially that is just the that's it's quite a moment. It's cinematic almost. How, how did you how did that affect you emotionally? Oh, I think I think I I had tears in my eyes, just tears of, you know, such mixed emotion, to be honest, because it that moment to me legitimized me, proved that what I had been doing all these years, I wasn't crazy for being a female, a girl that wanted to wrestle. Mm. I wasn't crazy because there was so much negativity and there was so much criticism of me and of my father when I first wrestled. Because here I am, a girl, a young girl wrestling, which wrestling wasn't thought to be something girls did. Sure. Or at that point, even they would use the word appropriate. It's not appropriate for girls (laughs) to wrestle. And that wasn't even just within the Iranian culture and community. That was within the American culture and community. Like I had Americans... Um, at that time that would call our house and go off on my father and say, what do you think you're doing letting your daughter wrestle with boys? Are you crazy? What? Wh- how are you allowing your daughter to do that? You know, two steps back, because I actually want to go through that story and then we'll, and maybe come back to the, the coach in the moment you've just talked about, because it's it's so profound and, and uh, poignant at the same time. Let me first say, I mean, as a kid, you know, you've just talked about how proud you are of your Iranian heritage and, and your lovely parents. Um, but you don't have great memories of revolutionary Iran before you guys left. I mean, you chronicle some harrowing scenes uh, yes. in your new biography, uh, especially when it comes to there's a scene with your aunt who I know ends up yes. spending a bunch of jail time. Uh, what, what can you tell us about your memories of, of that time before you end up coming to the United States? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, um Growing up as a kid, young kid in Iran in the late 70s, early 80s, I'm sure a lot of Iranians that were in Iran around my, my age at that time can, um, you know, have parallel stories and can relate to what my experience is and what I, I'm saying. Um, I don't have the best memories of that time. There were scary times in Iran. Of course, the Iran-Iraq war was happening, was going on. And so I remember as a kid being at home watching TV and, and all of a sudden the red alarm, the red siren would go on TV, you know, 
and 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 it wasn't a test it was the red alarm that you better get down in your in the basement right away because the next thing we would hear was the iraqi planes dropping bombs and you know when you've experienced that that's not something you will ever forget in your lifetime you know the sound of those bombs dropping and and windows shattering and 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 how scary that was and then and then going to school and you know when the revolution was first happening and the changes were happening and see when I went to school in Iran even in first grade second grade I was going to a um, school that was a German and an Iranian school um, because my father had been educated in Germany and so there were I knew of a lot of the Western influences and then all of a sudden the revolution happens and a lot of changes happen um, you know then in school we're forced to wear Rusari and you know cover up and abide by all the Islamic rules and regulations even at school and then we're taught to say Maghbar Amrikal, Maghbar Engelistan, you know, Maghbar Faransi. Death to America, death to England, yeah, yes. yeah. Exactly. And as kids, we're brainwashed to say that over and over and over again. And then, you know, coming home and, and then my parents who had relatives in the United States saying, no, you shouldn't say death to anybody. And, you know, there's great people everywhere. And... And, you know, that they're not wanting war, they want peace, and they want, you know, and, and then having to keep everything kind of secretive, the fact that they're planning to leave Iran and really flee Iran, and I'm an only child, and, you know, my parents want a better future for their only daughter, and unfortunately at that time, Iran wasn't going to be a place where they thought they could raise their only daughter to have a great successful future. And so they made a lot of sacrifices, which I'm now just realizing as an adult myself, for them to to be able to leave their home country of Iran, right. you know, and and become an immigrant to a new country. And so I'm sure a lot of your listeners um, right now you know, can relate to yep. to that time if they yep. immigrated themselves, or if they had their parents immigrate during that time period. Yes. And so, unfortunately, my memories of Iran during that time were of scary times, of of times of oppression, and not um, not being able to to express myself and be who I am. And so, you know, in home, in my home. My, my parents taught me differently and my dad, because of his love of wrestling, you know, would, would teach me wrestling. And so growing up, I knew all the wrestling moves. I knew Fitila Peach and I knew, you know, all the great techniques of, of Iranian wrestling. You know, your dad was a, a well-known wrestler in Iran, right? Yes, yes, he was. And uh, in some of his time, he wrestled in Europe. And what, what's his name? Manu Cher, Manu Cher Roshan Zamir. And what what did you make of him when you were when you were a little girl? I mean, what's it <laughs> yes, like to have a well known wrestler as a dad? Well, that's the funny thing. I I didn't know. I didn't know the difference. I thought it was normal. I thought my <laughs> father wrestling and teaching me wrestling moves was what everybody did in their household. <laughs> you know, we we would move the the living room table and on our beautiful Persian rug that became our Doshake Koshti that became our our wrestling mat <laughs> by the way this and, is and this then, is real wrestling right it's not the Hulk Hogan exactly. kind of it's not a uh, Iron no. Sheik uh, as much as no. we love him it's not yes. it's not 
not the entertaining. It's it, this is like athletic. This you know, is it, exactly. This yeah. is freestyle wrestling. This is what Tahdi and all our great Iranian wrestlers are known for: the international Olympic style of wrestling. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's what my father was, and that's what he taught me. And I thought that's what everybody did in their living room. You know, <laughs> it wasn't. Right. It wasn't until I went outside of the house and got older, and I thought. Oh, okay. So this this isn't a thing that everyone does at home. This is this is unique and to me and my my family, me and my father. But outside of our home, and especially in Iran, that's not something I could tell people. That's not something I could share. That was not something I could display. The fact that I loved wrestling, and as a girl, you, I wrestled. you wanted to wrestle you, if, if as long as you can remember. Yes, I mean, you, but you, that was never even a a a reality uh -huh. that was never even a thing first of all girls didn't do that second of all girls didn't do that in iran you know and so again now fast forward to when we did come to united states and again i call it the land of opportunity for many different reasons but for me in that coming to united states yes girls still didn't wrestle but what girls did do is they did have opportunities right. they didn't they weren't limited by by law can i just ask you uh i, I want to get into you coming into the states and and when you make that turn to actually become a wrestler but but uh, can i just a general question what is it about wrestling that uh, appeals to you. I mean, if you were to make a case for this sport, because you obviously are passionate about it, you love it. What what is it that that is so appealing about wrestling? Oh, wrestling is is it? Oh, there's so there is not any sport like wrestling, and of course, I'm biased, but. Wrestling is an individual sport. Wrestling is all about you. It's a sport that when you step on the mat, you can't blame your losses on anybody else. You can't say it was my teammate that didn't pass the ball or my team that missed this or my team that didn't perform. Wrestling, it's, it's you. You've stepped on the mat and you've prepared. And so, the glory of the wind is all you and the defeat of the loss is all you. And so it's character building. The skills and the things that I've learned through the sport of wrestling, I can apply to my life in, in whatever situation. But that's true of, say, tennis too, right? Where you're, it's one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, any individual but sport. But tennis isn't where you're physically grappling with somebody else right right you know it's if you're not well prepared you have someone else that is really going after you physically it is a physical challenge it doesn't involve a ball it's not a game <laughs> no you know it's it is a wrestling match it's blood tears and sweat literally um, it's broken ears and bloody noses and it's, you know, how many other sports do you have with right. the, the ears of the wrestlers, you know, and that's, that's our, our badge of courage. It's <laughs> so I know I'm being biased, but wrestling is, I can't, you know, and I think every wrestler who's ever stepped on the mat can relate to that. It's a different, it's a fraternity. And so to my point, it's such a great experience. Why should you limit that to only half the population? Meaning only sure, men having sure. that opportunity. I, I had a know? gym, a gym teacher in, in grade eight 
who uh and he was I think he had been a wrestling coach or something, but he was our, our, our gym teacher. And I was a, a soccer player, a football fan, you know, a soccer fan. And uh-huh. I remember him saying, so he, so part of our gym class for during the year was to do wrestling, which I, of course, was horrible at. I got the <laughs> shit kicked out of me most of the time. But, but I remember him saying, uh, yeah, you know, it's great that you're good at football. You're good at, you know, there's lots of other sports. This is the only sport where you have to use every single centimeter of your every single part of your body every single part of you has to be involved uh is that true is that is that what you would say about absolutely absolutely and the other great thing about wrestling if you think about it you know um any body can wrestle and and literally any body in body type like you know you have wrestlers that are short and stocky you have wrestlers that are tall and lengthy you have wrestlers that are you know whereas like with, with american football like you've got to be big and strong and you know whatnot and um with wrestling you can be a 105 pounder you know and and still be able to be a olympic gold medalist you know mm. so yeah it has the different weight classes and you're pretty diminutive yourself right you're Good. not a- yeah, <laughs> uh, you, you, like a linebacker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you hear wrestler and you just, uh, you're right. There's a stereotype that, again, you have to look like, you know, R- Rick and Nature Boy Flair or something, some like, some like, uh, the, was it The Rock, you know? And it's right, like, right. Uh, that. Uh, this is not really what wrestling, what Olympic wrestling is is all about. Uh, it's really like core strength. And, and um, now, just before we leave your time in Iran, tell me about this incident with your aunt because you you talk about that it seems like it was it's something that's burned into your memory what happened with her yes so my aunt um you know my mom's family nine kids right so you have my mom is the oldest daughter um and then my aunt was the baby and so by the time i was born my aunt and i are very close in age actually and so being an only child my aunt was kind of my playmate so she's the one that um like we played barbies with played you know cooking house whatever so she was an she was an aunt but she was more like a sister to me so you know we were kind of closer in age and so then when she was a teenager um during that time in iran she got involved with some of her friends that were um, into politics and um, were involved with some anti-government things at the time. And during that time in Iran, things were really scary and really strict. And they really went after anybody that was saying or doing anything against the government. And somehow they found out that my aunt was involved with some of her friends with an anti-government group. And so from what I remember of it, you know, we were all, I was a kid, I was really young, I was, Mm -hmm. you know, 10, 11 years old. We were all at my grandparents' house about to have dinner. And I just remember that's when the Revolutionary Guards all stormed in and uh looking for my aunt and um you know it just was a chaotic scene and and i remember bits and pieces and from what i remember and then my 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 mom's kind of filled in on you know i i in writing the book when i was being interviewed when when the author was writing the book and asking me these stories i recalled the stories but then almost in my own mind 
I kept thinking, am I imagining this or did this really right, happen? Right. You know? Yeah. And then I would talk to my mom on the phone and I said, Mom, this is what I told the author, the writer, did this really happen? And my mom said, would say, yes, this really happened. And then she would fill in more detail and more of the gaps. And, and it was kind of crazy because some parts of it I remember so vividly and other parts of it I think I've just really chosen to to block out sure. because it was such a traumatic event but yeah so basically they they took my aunt away by force and then you know she was in in political prison and you know being tortured and whatnot and this is a teenager you know this is a teenage girl and right. and again that very well could have been my future right and so that's again what the the decision my parents made to sacrifice so much and come to a new country and again like i said land of opportunity absolutely john at that age do you i mean you don't know anything different because you've been living in your i mean obviously you remember the time before the revolution even though you were a little little, little kid but did you want to leave iran or were you was there fear some fear associated with going to america too i mean what what, what was your feeling at that time that's a, kid? a great question that is a great question and so to be honest because at that time there was it was such a dangerous time in iran my parents kept everything from me they they didn't want to stress their child out with details that we were going to leave iran and we're going to immigrate to to a new country and so to be honest they were doing a lot of things like for example selling the furniture at, at in my house and initially i didn't know why i didn't know what was going on and so they only shared with me it was maybe less than a month before we were actually going to leave the country that this was actually happening and that we were leaving Iran and, and immigrating to the United States. And so when they told me that, the way, you know, you got to remember in school, I'm saying Maragabar Armrika, death to United States. Right, right. And then all of a sudden at home, my parents are telling me, we're moving to United States. Right, it's a little confusing for a kid. It was yeah, very yeah. confusing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, and then people are coming through our house and buying our furniture, and, 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 and all of a sudden I'm being told we're going to be leaving everything, my friends. And even though it was such a crazy time in Iran and scary time in Iran, the unknown of what what is the United States going to be like and what is my life going to be like. But this is how my parents painted the picture for me. They said, the United States, you can walk into a grocery store and you can buy fresh fruit and unlimited amount of meat and, you know, milk. And because at that time, going through the Iran-Iraq war, there was not limited supply of even food and whatnot. I would have to wait in, in line for meat at five in the morning hmm. as a kid, you know, for the butcher shop to, to, and then there was the long, long line. And maybe you got meat that day, maybe you didn't. Maybe they ran out by the time it got to you, you know? And so we were living during those times in Iran. Um, and then what my parents are telling me is that United States has unlimited supply of everything mm. and and you know there's great clothes and you don't have to wear the rusari and chador and and you can express yourself and so i would go to bed and i would have these dreams 
of what United States would be like. I <laughs> dreamt of, you know, it was funny. I, I compared to Wizard of Oz, like you know, Dorothy <laughs> skipping along right, the roads right. made of gold brick, you know, mm. golden bricks, and so it was really, yeah, like you said, confusing. But here's the the ironic part. Once I did arrive to the United States, to California, and we settled in Northern California. That was the start of my problems. That was the start of my hardship. That right. was that was the hardest time because even though, yes, I would go to the grocery store and there was unlimited supply of fresh produce and milk and meats and everything, one, I didn't speak a single word of English. Nothing at all, two, huh? You didn't? Nothing you didn't, oh. at all. Nothing at all. But two, I was this weird kid you know that dressed differently and looked different from a different country and then the kids at school would ask me yeah what country are you i was gonna say it's not just a different country it's the country that just to take us back to the early 80s it's the country that has been that the that the kids in america you know the Mm -hmm. counterpoint to the kids in iran screaming death to america the kids in america have been taught this is the evil country that we're against right so yeah exactly because it was right after the American hostage crisis that occurred in yes. Iran. You know, this is all early 80s where the relationship between the United States and Iran was was definitely not good. And so, you know, kids are asking me, what where are you from? What nationality are you? And I and I would probably say, I'm Iranian, you know, and they would they would in turn look at me and say, you're a terrorist. Get out of our country. Go back to your own country, you know, and. So yes. this is the part of your story. I, I sorry to cut you off. That did, I, I said the word cinematic earlier. I mean the story of you coming to America, and then becoming a star U.S. athlete. It, it, it's like a movie. Uh, you know, you come in '84. You don't really speak the language. It's clear that it'd be clear that you wouldn't really fit in at the time. It's not like Northern California is full of Iranians in that moment. There's a fateful turn when you decide you want to be on the high school wrestling team uh, Mm -hmm. with the boys Uh, this this is when i talked about your fortitude in the introduction or in the beginning of this interview i mean you're a new immigrant you're a girl where did you get the courage to believe you could do this or to even say this is hey guys include me mm-hmm. right right well you know at that point it became survival mode right because here i had to figure out a way where i was going to be accepted into this new culture into this new environment and um i was that weird kid that and we had no money too we had left everything behind so it was extreme poverty so i was definitely not the popular kid in school so how do i i had to figure out how do i become accepted and um so I thought, okay, well, I need to figure out how to become the all-American girl, you know, to to be to be accepted and to fit in. And so where I always, where I wasn't popular, but where I was always picked first on a team was when it came to athletics. And I knew I was good at sports. And in particular, I was good at wrestling. But still, this is still early 80s. Girls still didn't wrestle, not even in the United States. And so I thought, okay, to do the all-American girl thing and the sporty thing, I need to reinvent myself. And so what do popular American girls in high school do? Well, they 
cheerleaders. Oh, what is a cheerleader? You know, I had no idea what a cheerleader even was, but I knew they were popular. So I was like, okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. And so I, I went out for the cheerleading team and all of a sudden I'm, you know, trading in my chador for this really short, short skirt and um, these pom-pom-y looking things. And I'm jumping up and down and cheering for the boys, you know? And yeah, it brought me popularity, but it just wasn't me. And so what happened, I endured the, the, the football season. And then during the winter season, winter sports, what happens in the United States is um, it's basketball and wrestling season. And so half the cheerleaders go on and cheer for the basketball team. <laughs> and ha the other half of the cheerleaders become what is called stat girls. So basically, they're keeping the statistics for the wrestlers, you know, two takedown, one point escape, you know, that kind of thing, that the statistics for, for the wrestlers. And so, of course, I'm like, oh, wrestling. I, I, I love wrestling. And that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to go keep the statistics for the wrestling team and cheer for the wrestlers. And so that lasted about a month because as I'm watching the wrestlers, I'm going, why am I cheering for them? I know all <laughs> I'm better stuff. than them. <laughs> I, I'm better than them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so this is this is another turning point. This is a moment that where I think changed everything for me. So I'm at my high school. It's after school and the wrestlers are waiting at the, you know, they're all boys. Of course, it's the boys wrestling team. They're outside the, the wrestling room waiting for the coach to open up the wrestling room. And here I am walking past them and I'm in my cheerleading outfit along with my friend who's also a cheerleader. And the captain of the wrestling team kind of starts teasing my friend and kind of, you know, just talking with her and whatever. And, you know, I don't know what made me do this. But I started speaking up and I said, hey, leave her alone. And he goes, oh, yeah, what are you going to do about it? And he's standing outside of the wrestling room on this grass area. And he's standing in this perfect stance. And I don't know what triggered at me in my mind, but I blasted him with a wrestling move we call a double leg. But I blasted him with this double leg and landed him right on his back in front of all the other wrestlers, you know? So you could imagine, here I am, a girl, freshman, in, in, you know, in her, in her cheerleading outfit, taking down the captain of the wrestling team in front of the, the other wrestlers. Right. And everyone's like, oh, wow, whoa, she took him down. Wait, how do you know how to wrestle? With, with a wrestling move, you did this. It's not just... Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. And I proceeded to wrestle him, and I'm actually wrestling him, you know, and... and these other wrestlers are just in shock watching this this girl in her cheerleading outfit wrestling their captain and be, kind of beating him, you know, and I, she's actually knowing how to wrestle. And so they go, well, you really know how to wrestle. They go, why don't you come out for our wrestling team? Of course, half jokingly, you know, but I didn't take it as a joke. I thought, why don't I go out for the wrestling team? Because here's here's why. I'm in this new country that, yes, granted, girls don't wrestle, but there are laws. There is what Title IX had just come out, which had stated that if, if there is a male sport and there isn't an equal women's sport, that a girl can participate legally right. in the male sport. Right. And for me, that was like, huh. That's perfect for me because if I want to go out for the boys wrestling team, there's nothing that legally 
can stop me. The law is on my side. You knew that. You knew that as a kid? You knew about that Title IX? Well, I, I, yeah. Because, you knew something um, like that. I knew something like that because right. it was in, in, in the news a lot. Right. It was, you know, and, and I was good at sports. And so, you know, speak the language too well, but you don't need English to enjoy sports and watch sports, you but know. It, there's and so, something else that happens, though, around that time that I, that uh, is, is uh, it really, when I read about this and I thought, you know, this is a, this is really important in terms of the trajectory of your life. The coach, as I understand it at that point, so you say, I want to be on the wrestling team. You correct me if I've got this right. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, I won't agree to put you on the team before speaking to your father. I guess he was expecting your dad to say no. Uh, and it's quite beautiful that your Iranian dad not only says yes, but supports your journey as a as an athlete as a wrestler uh can can you reflect on that the kind of person your dad was exactly i should say but yeah yeah yeah, is yeah my father i love my my parents um you know they're they're (laughs) in their 70s and 80s now my mom's in her 70s my dad's in in his 80s and i i see them all the time and they're very much involved in my life and my uh kids lives and I, i absolutely love love my parents but Thinking back in the, you know, early 80s, what a forward thinker my father was. What a, you know, again, an Iranian man, an Iranian father who had, I think, initially always wanted a son, right, to follow in his footsteps. Iranian men, you you think stereotypically they want their boy, they want their son. Mm. And I end up being born, and I'm an only child, his only child, and I and I end up being a girl. And so, you know, he thinks, okay, well, I have a daughter, and I'm going to provide her with the same opportunities, and I'm not going to let her limit herself. And I'm not going to think that because she's a girl, she shouldn't be doing this and this and that. So just imagine what what an open-minded, forward thinker my father was in order to teach me wrestling, you know, and say, I'm going to, I'm going to treat my, my child the same way. Doesn't matter boy or girl. I'm going to, you know, treat my daughter the same way and give her the same opportunities and spend the same time and teach her and be just as proud of her. And so that really was that mentality that, that, really is the reason I am who I am and I was able to achieve what I have been able to achieve. It's amazing. And so, yeah, absolutely. That that high school coach 100% thought he would be calling this Iranian father and saying, and kind of tattletelling on, on me, you know, do you know what your daughter wants to do? She wants to roll <laughs> around with the boys. And, right. you know, and, and my and my program, which Independence High School had a powerhouse of a wrestling program, you know, and so the coach prided himself on his wrestling team and we're state champs and we have this, you know, the best wrestling program in, in the state. And, Here's this girl in her cheerleading outfit wanting to come out for the for the to roll around with the boys as he was thinking about it, you know. And I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to her dad, and she's Iranian. No way would a fa- her father allow her to wrestle on my wrestling team, you know. And so that was his mindset, his his thought process when 
he told me he needed to call my father and so boy was he was he surprised and did he have a you know shock coming to him when my father in this thick Iranian accent said yeah, I think it is wonderful I love that my daughter wrestling it's my dream that my daughter wrestles <laughs> you know it's only three or four years later uh, 1989 uh, th those world championships we mentioned earlier in the interview in Switzerland uh, mm -hmm. you're still just a teen you didn't mm -hmm. speak the language you know f f four years earlier five years earlier what what did it mean to win that first women's medal uh, in in freestyle wrestling uh, and do it for the USA yeah and you know this is the ironic thing about it I had no idea what I was doing when it was happening because at that time I didn't think it would become an his a historic uh, first world medal. You know, it wasn't until, like you were saying earlier, how does it feel for the fans just now to be recognizing you? You know, the, and, and same thing. At that time, we didn't recognize that the significance of that medal. Uh -huh. It wasn't until now where women's wrestling has become to where it is that that medal has gained significance right. and recognition. Right. So at that time, when I was competing at the first world championships, I was just in awe. I was a teenager that all of a sudden I was on a world stage along with these, you know, Olympic medal, male Olympic medalists. Because you got to understand in 1989 World Championships, that was the first time ever they had women's um, world championship wrestling. Right. And so... Um, all along in high school, I had posters of these these famous wrestlers mm. on my, you know, whereas most girls have posters of like, you know, singers or rock stars <laughs> right. or whatever. Right. I had posters of these like wrestlers on, on my wall, you know, these, these famous um, um, wrestlers. And all of a sudden, I'm competing on the next wrestling mat next to them. So at the world championships, I was more like starstruck. I was more in like awe going, mm. wow, I'm wrestling alongside Bruce Baumgartner and John Smith and, you know, the likes of just famous Iranian wrestlers who, you know, for me in my mind were just like my rock stars. And all of a sudden, uh, I'm being called up to compete in the next match alongside um, the map that, you know, a famous wrestler just got right, off of. Right. So I didn't realize the significance of it. And when I medaled at that world championships, I was, I was happy just to be having the opportunity and to be included right, and right. be allowed. To you don't know you're a pioneer. The history has to happen for you to become a pioneer, right? You exactly. don't know you're a pioneer in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I had no idea. You know, I come back home and I'm taking my senior pictures for high school and everyone's going, what'd you do this summer? You know, we, we went, <laughs> to the beach and I'm like well I competed at the world championship well, well let me ask you about that I mean you go on to win a number of championships and medals for America uh, I mean you talk about how women's wrestling has changed I think it's it's one of the fastest growing sports in the United States now for women yes. women's wrestling is now an Olympic sport yes. of course it was not when you were competing in your prime do you lament that a sport that has become so popular for girls and for women now was not as big when you were dominating it and blazing the way forward 
There is part of that. I, I do. It is. It's bittersweet. It is definitely bittersweet because somebody had to start it, right? <laughs> so I'm really glad it was it was me that I I had a, a you know a, I, I had a part in starting it. But at the same time, yeah, I see my, the athletes that I'm coaching now. They have agents and they have social media. You know, to where the, the, they have all these sponsorships and they're recognized, and you know, and 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 at that time, the only recognition I was getting at was 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 you know, people going, "What the heck are you doing? Are you crazy?" Mm. You know, and so I never imagined in my lifetime when I was competing, when I was getting all the criticism, when I was wrestling, and people going. What are you doing? You're a girl. This is, we don't need a sideshow that resembles mud wrestling. Girls don't belong on the wrestling mat. You know, that, that was the only recognition I was getting. To in my lifetime, only 30 years later, seeing that, like you said, girls wrestling is the fastest growing sport in the United States. That internationally, we have all kinds of amazing competitions. That women's world wrestling championships are being held along with the men's world championships. That the Olympics include the same you know, um, l- number of women and men wrestling and the same um, what do you call it? Like, like, like when the Iranian coach gave me that same recognition, same status. that same yeah. status, exactly. And so, in thirty years to see it come where it is now, I'm very, very proud of that. And so, you know, I don't think I would change a thing because it had to start somewhere. And I'm glad that it started with me. I'm glad, and I'm glad to be alive to see where it has come and where it is now alive you're still young did you did (laughs) did did that criticism that came i mean did that continue even after you won medals or or once you become a winner do you do you still get criticized the medals weren't really um that significant early on it wasn't recognized that the it wasn't given the same amount of respect because here's what the other thing had to happen is we were earning medals and then all of a sudden usa wrestling had to give us the same um prize money and and all of a sudden they didn't want to give out more money on the women's side and so they really were trying to keep us kind of down and not recognize our accomplishments but of course with time um, you know, even here, even in the United States, the equal opportunities for men and women. And so I say we've come a long ways, baby. And now it, it's almost, it's funny because I'm getting the recognition, a lot more recognition now. Even, you know, you said from the Iranian community, but also from the American community, with mm. from USA Wrestling. Like I'm just now getting into all, inducted into all these Hall of Fames and <laughs> um, getting all the, the, the you know, um, success and all the sponsorships and things like that. It, it's funny because it's been 30 years since you know my first world medal, and just now, I don't know whether it's because of social media or how you know where the growth of women's wrestling has come. Or, but it's just now that I'm I'm seeing the the rewards of it. <laughs> what what has it been like to morph into a coach, and what did it mean to win gold with Team USA in Rio? five, four Mm -hmm. years ago? It's come full circle for me because obviously when I first started wrestling, my goal was just for them to allow me to wrestle. 
I know I'm a girl, but this isn't a weird sideshow freak thing. I, I, I love wrestling. Why shouldn't I be given the opportunity to wrestle? So that was my goal is just let me do this. Just let me wrestle. And then I got into high school and my goal was, okay, I just want to beat the boys and I want to make varsity and, you know, accomplish that. And then my goal was, oh, okay, I'm on the national team now. I want to win the national championships and I want to win the world championships. And then my goal was, Hmm. okay, so here's another lesson in things. Don't limit yourself, right? And your goals, um, set goals and, 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 and shoot, have dreams and shoot for it. And you never know how far it can take you. But so then my goal was the Olympics. You know, I want to compete in the Olympics. I want to become an Olympic gold medalist. And because... I had started so young and I was a pioneer and I was, you know, the first to kind of start women's wrestling. Women's wrestling did not get into the Olympics when I was still at my competing age. So I was waiting for the 2000 Olympics. So I was, I still had the number one ranking in the United States at that time. And uh, in 2000, I had just gotten married. I was holding off having kids because I wanted women's wrestling to debut in the Olympic Games, and I wanted to be the first Olympic medalist Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And so I put off having kids and my career as a physical therapist to still train and still compete in the hopes of competing in the 2000 Olympics. Well, women's wrestling did not debut in the 2000 Olympics, and they told us that it would debut in 2004 Olympics. So in 2000, I was at that crossroads. What do I do? Mm -hmm. Do I retire now at the top of my sport, at the top of my game, and, you know, retire and go on into coaching and go on into... um, being practicing physical therapy and and having my family or do i put all of that on hold for another four years with really no guarantees that it would become an olympic sport in 2004 so at that time i made the decision that i was going to retire and start my family so i had my son in 2002 and then in 2004 i was pregnant with my daughter And that's when women's wrestling debuted in the Olympics. So there I was, nine months pregnant with my second child, and I'm watching on TV women's wrestling in the Olympics. Mm. And I just remember breaking down and becoming so emotional. I mean, you're emotional anyway when you're nine months pregnant, right? But then here, everything that I had hoped for and dreamt about and you know, set a goal for to compete in the Olympics. And it just, the time was not for me. I, you know, then I had my daughter and I took one look at her and I call her my Olympic gold medal Mm. and I wouldn't change the, anything, you know, I, I, you know, my daughter, that was definitely the right decision for me, but for me. And you didn't consider joining the team whilst nine months pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) I thought about it. You seem to be able to do anything. So, (laughs) (laughs) but so here's, here's where the story gets interesting. So yeah, that was always a void for me. That was always, you know, that itch that needs scratching that you Mm. can't quite get to, right. It was something that just always bothered me that just always bugged me like i never competed in the olympics the olympics was always you know my my dream and i never it just that that itch was always there and i couldn't get to it to scratch it until 
I got back into it as a coach. And now it's an Olympic sport for women. And I thought, okay, so now that's my goal is maybe I didn't get to compete in the Olympics, but gosh darn it, I'm going to go and get that Olympic gold medal, whether that means me having to coach someone to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sure enough, and that's where we made history again by the United States getting that Olympic gold medal in in the last Olympics when I, when I was able to coach it. So yeah, I finally made my Olympic dream happen. A little bit different, it happened as a coach and not as a competitor, but regardless, I, I was able to fulfill that dream and um, so that experience for me was very surreal and, and came full circle and closed the loop. Uh, it's Your story is just, uh, it, it really is, uh, I mean, this book is going to get option to become a movie if anyone ha- has any sanity. It's, it, I, you, I you can outdo so. Rocky for, uh, <laughs> for great storylines just with, without even embellishing Thank them. Thank you. And that's, been, that's, that's my hope and my dream. I hope that this story comes in front of maybe a successful Iranian-American that, that you know, is in, in the movie business. Because, and, and, you know, at one point they did buy an American production company, did buy my story rights for a year and they they wrote a couple of different screenplays on it to make it into a movie and then unfortunately it it's still out there we're looking for a for a movie production company or an investment group or someone that believes in this story and that is willing and maybe has the way and the means to to turn it into a movie because that would be so amazing. It would be great for the Iranian American community. Yeah, the story is there, and it's and and the proof is you. You know, you you can. <laughs> uh, I, it's. I mean, back to this bicultural idea that we started with. Before I let you go, um, I understand you've been. I'm, here's how much things have changed. I suppose, even though we, um, uh, many folks lament the situation in, uh, that continues in Iran uh, under the current uh, government and regime, but I understand you've been approached by Iran by the by the national team to become a coach. Yeah, you know, again, um, I, I'm I'm an Iranian American. I'm I'm always going to be Iranian, and so how amazing would it be for me to be able to to go back to Iran and and be able to coach and and teach Iranian women how to wrestle and so yes so Iran is starting a women's wrestling team again with a lot of limitations still um, and like what? maybe like a, they have to wear the rosary and they the, have to- only in um, in gyms where it's only women right. and um, you know no men can be present and of course you know you can't have a male coach and uh, there haven't been enough women wrestlers at at the level we need in order to coach the the, the women's Iranian national team. Right. And so I'm hoping that that's something that maybe will be in the future. Um, it would be great. It would be my dream. Like that would be the ultimate dream for me, right? To have to see, to come from, you know, Iranian being of Iranian heritage to where, you know, my story in, in, in America, but then actually to see yeah. how far 
women's wrestling has come in the United States, but then the ultimate thing to see women's wrestling in Iran. The sequel to the movie is the sequel to the movie, the Afsun 2. The sequel is that you win the gold (laughs) for the Iranian team as well. Oh my gosh, that gives me goosebumps. How amazing with that. What is your, what I know that there's Iranians who are aware of you now, and there's probably Iranian girls who follow you on social media now. I mean, what, what is your advice to Iranian girls in Iran or, or beyond um, who follow you on social media or know your story and, and want to get involved and want to get into wrestling themselves? What would you say? Yeah, to them? it's been so great that so many have actually reached out to me either on my Facebook page, which is, you know, Afsun Roshan Johnston, my Instagram, Afsun Wrestling. Um, this younger generation, I think, tends to reach out to me on Instagram. So, yeah, my, my Instagram um, page, at, Afsoon Wrestling has really blown up. But it's really cool because they'll send me messages and say, oh, I'm Iranian also. And, and you know, whether it's they're all over Europe um, and actually some that are still in Iran. But yeah, I've had a lot of not only girl wrestlers reach out to me, but actually fathers that are saying we want our daughters to wrestle and mm-hmm you know, we love your story and what advice would you give? And, and yeah, so I've given advice both to the parents, the fathers, you know, and allowing their girls to wrestle. And then it's been just so cool for these young girls that have reached out to me and say, I love wrestling. I want to wrestle. And, and so I do end up following them and encouraging them and giving them little like so what is the advice in in a nutshell what would you say what is the advice to you know my big thing is is you know believe in yourself and follow your dreams like i never thought all of this was possible they told me i can't do it and i believed in myself no i can do this Mm. and if it's something you love and you're passionate enough about don't let anybody stop you now wrestling is a tough sport like we talked about it is Mm -hmm. a very challenging sport but if you love it definitely don't let anybody stop you and Mm. believe in yourself and follow your dreams I thought the advice was going to be randomly tackle the captain of the uh, the wrestling team (laughs) on some grass outside of the school (laughs) I know but those moments like that you would have never imagined happening and it's funny a little moment like that that just changes the course of your lifetime and sets you on this crazy path hey where was your dad when you won the Olympic gold in 2016 was he uh, watching on TV was he in Rio what did yeah, so what happened was with the Olympics, see, people don't realize it, but we we had to be in Rio for the a whole month before our competition. We for the last four years prior to the Olympics, we had to we had to um, travel to different countries to qualify. There's a there's a lot of behind the scenes that's involved that you know people don't realize, and all you watch is the Olympics, but there's so much more that goes into it. So we were actually in Rio a month prior to the competition because we had to get acclimated we had to get used to the food the water like everything our sleep patterns our training um in that time zone everything so for a whole month before the olympics we were already in rio so my parents i love my parents they actually moved into my house and watched my three kids and my house while I was in Rio. There's no way I could have done it without the support of my husband and my parents. So my parents actually moved into my house. And so they were with my kids and yes, they watched it on TV and, you know, and I communicated with them, of course, but, um, 
But my husband joined me um, in Rio the week before the Olympics. So it was my parents um, at my house with my kids watching it on TV like everyone. Your parents must be so proud. Your dad, the wrestler himself, to see what you've done. Uh, it must be just such a joy for him. Yeah, well, you know, it was it was his decisions and his willingness and his open-mindedness that really ultimately, uh, you know, I was able to reach the success because of it. And the kids and your kids get uh, grandma's uh, cooking while you're gone, so everybody wins. They get the Persian. <laughs> yeah, my warm sabzi is definitely not as good as my mom's. <laughs> my kids are like, "You sure this is the same? This isn't the same thing grandma makes." <laughs> mom's good at wrestling, but I don't know about her warm sabzi. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is a it's a great pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thank you for making the time. Thank you, thank you for all that you've done for uh, for the community and and being such a role model. And uh, I can only imagine that um, you, you, there's more ahead in terms of uh, uh, someone who's broken so many barriers and who's um, set the bar high and continues to do so. I really appreciate it. I hope we get to meet you in person at some point and uh, um, I would see you in San Diego. Yeah, I would love as things open up to be able to do an in-person interview with you guys sometime. I, I really enjoyed my time being on your program, being on your show and talking with you some great questions and I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Well, I'll look forward to doing that again. Thank you for doing this. Take care. Khodafis. Khodafis. Afsun Roshan Zamir Johnston, an Iranian-American wrestler and wrestling coach uh, and a true pioneer of the sport around the world. The new biography about her is entitled Afsun, and it can be found at afsunwrestling.com. Afsunwrestling.com. Afsun Roshan Zamir Johnston joined us from San Diego, California today. Microphone's back on for uh, Captain Reza Groovy Shy and the fabulous Keon. Uh, man, that was exhilarating. I was already a fan of hers. Now I'm a bigger fan. The story of the two co the coaches, yeah. 30 years apart, the Iranian team coach, the first one says, Hanum, I, uh, you, we can't support you. And then... Uh, yeah. the, then now, just a few, you know, uh, I guess three or four years ago, yes. come meet the team. You guys have to respect this this woman. She's uh, a champion. I love that. It was amazing. It was one of the most inspiring interviews I ever listened to. Like that story, obviously, but for me, was two of her stories like really resonated with me. Mm. One was when she tackled the boy, <laughs> like well, with right. the wrestling move, took him right. down, and then everybody was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> you doubt right. you know the wrestling moves. And then the other one, when she and I never thought of it that way. She was like, "This is like it's not a, there is no ball in this in this sport. It's not mm. a game." Mm. And it's a match. I, I, I right you, away. You never was, thought about the fact that there's, there's no ball in wrestling. No. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I, I knew there was no ball in wrestling. Are you sure? Sometimes but, uh, I don't know about you, Reza. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh my god, <laughs> you guys! No, I th- mm. I never. Th- I never thought about the fact that there's no <laughs> there's no paddle in wrestling. <laughs> to be clear, as there is no <laughs> balls. There's no wrestling. there's no racket in oh, uh, wrestling. Oh Imagine if there were beat the crap out of each other. <laughs> I never thought that there was a <laughs> there's no basketball in wrestling. <laughs> what happened? You got shit kicked out of you. <laughs> I thought there was a ball in this game. Oh, it's not a game. No, she said it's not a game, and I I was like, oh, you're right. We call other, like certain sports a game. There's a game on, but with wrestling or martial arts and stuff, you don't say there's a game on. It's it was it's kind of cool. It's so hard. Wrestling is so hard. It is, it's, it's and like, it's only five minutes, but you feel like well, you just I mean, it's just all core strength, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I used know. to wrestle when I was in high school. Really? Yeah, Were you any good? I did. I was I was okay. I was decent. So he, he was terrible. Yeah, it was, no, you were no good. <laughs> but I got he thought he thought there was a <laughs> ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 what kind of wrestling uh, were you doing? Where, was yeah. where were they teaching you with Shiraz? So what kind There's of, a tennis ball. What kind of balls are we talking about? <laughs> I never, yeah. knew, I never knew that there was no ball in, in wrestling. <laughs> well, there are. If there's too many. <laughs> there's something wrong with this guy. His when the wrestling mat with the ball, he thinks. Is not. it wrestling for special needs? Maybe. <laughs> no, oh, yeah. but uh, uh, <laughs> but no, I I broke my arm. Uh, wrestling a guy who was like much bigger than me uh-huh. and uh, and then that was it that was the end of that for me I was like nah the same for me and you know I was curious that she sorry Shia you go ahead you were, you were about to say something and then Reza no, no, I just, I was sad because of Reza. <laughs> In general or related to this conversation? <laughs> In general. No, that <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I think of Reza abuse. <laughs> I, g- I get ghost pumped. <laughs> I g- no, he gets sad thinking about it. gets sad for you. Why, why, why were you sad thinking no, of Reza? No, he said that his arm broke, so I... Yeah. Yeah. Aww. Well, but 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 I, I actually let's talk about the uh, Afsum. Please, yes, yes. please. <laughs> if, if that's possible, uh, yeah. The guest who we just had on for an, over an hour, yeah. who's a champion, the, a gold medalist. Let's talk about her rather than Captain Reza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a wrestler too. It always goes yeah. back to his life. <laughs> he like, no. like, oh, she by the way, a, she was a supermodel. <laughs> you know, back in my day, I tried to be a model. <laughs> this woman has won like medal. She's a like, pioneer of the sport. <laughs> it reminds me of me. I was a wrestler, and she <laughs> was. <laughs> Go on, Shia, please. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, all the stories was amazing. Mm. I mean, she uh, kept giving me goosebumps and yeah. all things but actually wh- I want to mention that you know I've seen a lot of interviews and this year in Rock you interviewed a lot of people and there is a lot of poets or writers or you know d- directors musicians that they kind of like me <laughs> we cannot speak you know mm-hmm. but the way she speaks i mean the way she tells the story yes it's not just her fluency in english you're talking about you're talking no, about no, the fact no. the she's fact a storyteller yes yeah. the fact that she yeah. uh, it's like an art you know she's yeah. she tells a story it's like you know th- this probably sounds ridiculous given that she's won a gold medal as a, as a coach but you can tell she's probably a really really good coach mm. right yes yeah. you know just that she's got so much perspective and nuance and and even storytelling you can you can imagine her inspiring her her team the way that she brings them along and there's so many things about this person that are just uh i still can't get over the fact i said it at the top of the show i said it to her in the interview i I just can't get over the fact that she comes 
from Iran, mm. an awkward, you know, kid who doesn't speak the language yeah. and c- comes in, in the 80s. This is not, yes. don't imagine t- today in mm. Toronto yeah. or London or L.A. This is like, you know, in the 80s coming to Northern California, mm. you, you don't fit in. You're not, you're this, the, the only immigrant kid, the, the Persian kid. And then, and then to have the fortitude to not only overcome that and become successful, but to do so in a sport that was a male, almost yeah. entirely a male-dominated mm-hmm. sport, you know, it didn't basically didn't exist at a women's sport as a women's sport. Saying no, I'm going to do this, uh, and then to rise to the heights of Team USA within mm-hmm. a few years and become this inspiration. I just think it's a great story. It is an incredible story. I, you know, when when we said that we had this woman on our show, you mentioned the name. To me, I was like, okay, I don't recognize the name. Like, so I didn't have yeah. any expectations. But man, just listening to that story, it was captivating. Yeah. I really hope that one day we get to see that story on the big screen. I like. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. Are you kidding me? Either that her story or Reza's. Uh, Reza's story <laughs> being a wrestler, as well. Because he. Did, by the way, Keon, did you know that Reza was a wrestler? Yeah. Until he broke his arm, he was one of the best. Of course he yeah. Was. Yeah. But yeah, super inspiring story. And I, you know what? I think I would have been a great wrestler. <laughs> they called me the bulldozer on the soccer You know what field. I thought? I, I thought maybe you were a wrestler. No, no I didn't. My, did. I told you my mom was such a lady and like uh-huh. tried to preserve my beauty in some sense. <laughs> so even soccer was like, you know, she yeah. took me out because it was bruising. But again, I mean, if you look at the pictures of Afsun and stuff, right. it's, it's we, we have the stereotype right, of wrestling right. being this brawny right. thing. you got to be huge. Gotta, I mean, it's it's you're in weight classes, right? right? So right. you you can be small and yeah. Slim and whatever yeah. you don't have to be. I mean, that was one of the things she said actually. That um, it's for anybody. Wrestling yeah. is is for any weight class. There's no sort of yeah. requirement of what. And you and respect to her father. You know, we come from a culture that's very you know male dominated, yeah. and like wrestling for God's sakes was a male sport. So for her father to say that I don't want to limit Amazing. my daughter in any way, that's incredible. There was a point that I made in the interview that I want to just under underscore here again, which is that. Um, so many of, of the names that we know or that we consider important historical figures or that we follow or that we celebrate are so connected to where in history, mm-hmm. especially for Iranians, they've become famous. And she has this sort of double um, challenge, you know, in terms of her, I would say she deserves so much more recognition than she's gotten so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, still For a young sure. woman, you know, yeah. this, I, I think that she, as she says now all these hall of fames and are coming around, right. and, you know, right. I think she's going to, I would love her to become a household name in yes. Iran, you yes. know, I mean, of, of all the countries in the world, wrestling being such a big deal in Iran, exactly. here's a woman who um, was the a pioneer, was the first winner for the U.S., yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, she's yeah. best, basically the best in the world, yeah. you know, and, but it's such an accident of history where not only is the sport big, not big, but uh, at the time, right? And mm-hmm. now it's become this huge sport. But also that, you know, when there wasn't social media, mm. you're depending on the traditional institutions, right. the newspapers, yeah. the media, et cetera. Right. And of course, you know, Iranian media in the 1989 and through the 1990s are not going to cover and celebrate and put yeah. on the front page a woman who's winning in wrestling for the U.S. Right, and right. I just think today, regardless of what Iranian state media would or wouldn't do, yeah. 
Iranians around the world would know this person, right? Exactly. Like, I mean, yeah. now they're getting to know her. Right. But, you know, if she was winning medals right now, even if it was for Team would, USA, she she'd be, be, you know, we would everywhere. all be yeah. celebrating this. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a shame. I mean, I, I feel sad that I didn't know her name before this. So, But now is her time, and I hope she's just going to gain, finally get the recognition that she deserves. Afsun Roshan Zamir Johnston. Thank you again, Afsun, for coming on. Uh, thanks to the team here for yes. uh, for being part of this episode. And also, uh, I want to just once again give a shout-out to Arashan Anita Fazilipur, who... Uh, helped make this episode of Rook possible. They're the founders of MyTerms.ca, a successful mortgage company in Ontario, Canada. They believe in educating their clients to understand every aspect of the financing being obtained, and they see each transaction through from the beginning to end to make sure that they're closed with ease. If you're looking for a mortgage in the Toronto or greater Ontario region, go to MyTerms.ca. They are among the best, and both Arash and Anita make it a priority to give back to the Persian community. Big thanks to them and my terms, one word, myterms.ca. Do you know what Fiti Le Peach is? Fiti Le Peach. <laughs> and she mentioned very quickly. Yeah, that, uh, it's a form of, it's a wrestling move. It's uh, Is it a headlock or something? It's a kind of twisting legs. I don't know what Peach. to do. Yeah. I don't know how to yeah. say it in English, but yeah, you basically fold the, your, the, your opponent's uh, foot and you, oh, it's a you, uh, you twist their body by twisting their foot. It's yeah, like a, they, then they Tw- spin. twist lock or something. Twist lock or something. Yeah, some I don't kind know of the term in English, but but because uh, I competed in varsity. Yeah. But 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 it, but it, it uh, you can use it in your uh, regular conversation. Like for oh, yeah, the new pitch card, means that oh, like I you, yeah you take yeah. care of something. Yeah. Oh, it means you take co- you took care you of something. You you kind of you finish something. Can you I fitile pitch Reza? Uh, I wish you would fitile <laughs> pitch Reza. <laughs> By the way, Reza, were you a wrestler? <laughs> I was. Somebody told me you were a wrestler back then. Problem in. was, I would take a ball to the. Yeah. <laughs> How would you use your sports ball with the? Uh, <laughs> thank you very much, Captain Reza, Groovy Shia, and the fabulous Keon. This is full time for Rook for today. Remember to catch up on all things Rook, our episodes, our guests, our Rook extras, like Rook video moments, the Rook funnies. It's all there. See photos of the Rook team at rookmedia.com, R-O-Q-E media.com. And you can become a patron of our show there too. Press the support us button and for $5 or $10 a month, you become a patron. We really appreciate that. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together. Producer Susan, Ponta, the artist, Thoughtful Nagin, the fabulous Keon, Savvy Roham, Alay Merdad, Sponsorship Sean, Captain Reza, and Groovy Shia. And thank you to those of you out there supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe. If you've not done so already, you can find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi. Mizu Machine.